0: Alright, Mark chapter 2 tonight. or uh, Actually, let's start in John chapter 15. We're going to spend most of our time in Mark chapter 2 and 3 if you want to save a place there. But right now, let's go to John chapter 15. And I want to read a verse to you that um, I think is uh, it's very interesting. Something we need to keep in mind. But we'll read verse 18-21. through 21. And this is Jesus here talking. And notice what Jesus says. He says, If the world hate you, Ye know that it hated Me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted Me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept My saying, they will keep yours also." But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. Right here I want you to notice that Jesus told us that the world's gonna hate you. And I want you to, but he specifies in here that just remember though, they hated, they hated me, they hated Jesus before they hated us. And the reason that they hate us is not so much the hatred of us, it's the hatred of Christ that the world has. And I don't know if you've noticed today, but you know the world doesn't always respond real well to Christians when you try doing right, when you try getting the message out there. And we live in a world today that you know they are very, you know, they don't mind you having your Christianity. They don't mind you, uh, you know, if you want to be religious, that's fine. But they want us to just kind of keep it to ourselves, which uh, part of Christianity is spreading the gospel and telling others uh they they would rather not hear it, but uh once we start having an impact like we were talking about, then then you have problems, then people start getting real upset, and Jesus said they'll hate you and you know I worry about some of these you know I, I worry for myself if everybody's loving me okay the truth is the world's not supposed to love us there's some people out there now I don't purposefully go out and try to make people hate me okay i don't That's not necessarily my goal, but if you do right, there's going to be people that aren't going to like you. There's going to be people that aren't going to appreciate you. They're they're, they're going to hate you. And unfortunately, in this life, there's consequences that come from the world for doing right. And the more effective you are, the higher price you'll pay from the world. But we shouldn't let this stop us from doing right because the rewards we receive in heaven will definitely make it all worthwhile. However, it's important that I just warn you tonight that being a successful Christian will come with some consequences in this life. And Jesus, He he told us the same thing. The world will hate you. It hated me before it hated you. The world hates us because of its hatred towards Christ. And I want us to look at... It's interesting too because sometimes when we get hated for doing right... It can, it can bother us, okay? I mean, let's just admit it, nobody likes being hated, do you? I mean, we don't like it when we're persecuted for being a Christian, when people don't like us, when we're, you know, when they try to make you feel bad for it. And a lot of times people will take it really personal and they'll start to think, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong, and we'll start changing their ways. And that's going on even in churches today. You know, they see the response we're getting from the world. They see what the world says about us. They say, they see the way the news media portrays us, the way Hollywood portrays Christians. And they think, man, we got to do something to change that image. You know, we got to do something to make ourselves more likable to this crowd that's attacking us. But notice Jesus never, He never tried to change, He never changed Himself to make people like Him. And when you look at the Bible, the people that hated them, and you look at what he was doing to cause these people to hate him, I think it can really give us some good insight into exactly what we're up against, why we deal with the things that we deal with, and uh, it's good warning too because exactly what they did to Jesus is what they will do to us. And, you know, here at Liberty Baptist Church, we haven't had, you know, so far we haven't had you know, a whole lot of grief uh, that we've been given. You know, we've had, you know, just a couple of phone calls. You get, you know, people aggravated. You know, you're out passing out flyers and leaving them on their doors and stuff like that. That's about as far as it's gone. I've had a few people say some ugly things, you know, when you're out there knocking doors and stuff. You know, we haven't had anybody vandalizing our church yet. You know, we haven't been egged or anything like that yet. And honestly, I'm not. Uh, I'm not working towards that. I'm not going to try to get that to happen but as we grow as we start to make a greater impact we may start seeing some of those things and I want us to notice, I want us to look at, at we're only going to look at a couple chapters tonight of Jesus and the things that he did that got him in trouble and it really it's, it's almost mind-boggling when you see what Jesus did that got him in so much trouble but first of all let's look at mark chapter 1 verse 28. Notice, uh, Jesus, it starts out in the book of Mark, it really focuses on the miracles and the wonderful works that Jesus did for people. And in Mark, it starts right off with His baptism and it starts talking about all these great things that He's doing. I mean, just healing people, just doing miracles. And in verse 28, notice what it says. It says, immediately His fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Notice how His fame spread abroad. Verse 37 says, And when they had found Him, they said unto Him, All men seek for Thee. People were talking about Jesus. People were looking for Jesus. And then notice in verse 45, it says, But He went out and began to publish it much. This is after Jesus healed someone and to blaze abroad the matter in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to Him from every quarter. Notice Jesus. He's he's getting so popular at this time. He's got to go far away, and yet people are still coming to Him. The multitudes would still come. Remember when at the feeding of the 5,000, they followed Him way out. Away from everything. And... Jesus got concerned for him because he knew these people were going to be hungry and they were going to faint trying to make it back. And so, you know, he miraculously fed these people, but he was very, he's growing in popularity, he's growing in fame, and ultimately, I believe, what the problem was that, or what ended up getting Jesus in trouble was he was growing in influence. And those who were the influencers before, Did not like that one bit. And so let's start reading in Mark 2 and let's just look at some of these terrible things that Jesus did that got him in trouble with the people. And let's just look at the consequences of Jesus' action. I read a statement one time that said the best way to avoid criticism. Alright, now we all none of us like criticism. So here's how you can avoid it. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Then you won't get criticized. But if you do something, say something, and you be something, you're going to get some criticism. And I want to talk tonight about the cost of success. So notice verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum, and after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Notice these scribes. These were the people. Of influence before Jesus comes along. And here you have a man that comes along that's sick of the palsy. A man who's been suffering for years. A man who was a burden to others. Just to get to Jesus, four people had to carry this man to Christ. And Jesus, you know, he sees their faith and he makes this statement, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And while he's saying this, those scribes, they're sitting there and they're watching. And they're thinking, And notice what they say. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. So notice first off that Jesus, the first thing that happened is he's getting popular as he's growing in influence. Here you have, I mean, this house is just full, so pe- people just can't get in. And those scribes, the ones that were the kind of the educated fellows, the smart ones that people went to before when they had questions, they're sitting there and they're watching and they're just looking for something to pounce on. And notice the way they criticized his message. What did he say that was so bad? Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? This is blasphemy that he's speaking. They accused him of speaking blasphemy. And Jesus went he goes, Only God can forgive sins. And of course, we know that Jesus was God. And Jesus, to prove that he was who he said he was, he heals this man that's sick of the palsy. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Simply because God had never been there before. Jesus Christ had never been there before. But notice how that fame caused people to automatically be criticizing His message before He even did anything. Just criticizing what He had to say. And you know what? As a church, if we start being successful, we start making an impact, our message is going to get criticized they will you know they'll look online they'll see our doctrinal statement they're going to try to find faults in there maybe they'll listen to the sermons online and just try to find something wrong that said everybody that ever has an impact and getting a message out and that's successful they're going to be pounced on like crazy i mean that's just the way it is if you at your job if you start you know maybe being a witness to people that you work with and people it starts making a difference maybe some people get saved maybe people's lives are being changed you know what's going to happen? They're going to be watching you close. I mean, the, those who maybe were the influence for bad—they were always, you know, going instead of getting the guys to come to church. We're getting the guys on the weekend to, you know, go drinking at the bar with them. And now all of a sudden, they're not, that guy doesn't want to go to the bar with them anymore because he's planned on going to church with you. Now they're going to start watching every little thing you say. They're going to be looking for you to just slip up and they will accuse you of saying things you never said. They will accuse you of standing for things you don't stand for. And I'm telling you, I mean I've seen it when I was at Walmart in Spring Valley. People used to all the time, you know, they, they would come up and they were, hey, "Is it true that you believe?" I mean just goofy stuff. "No, I don't believe that." Now, I won't even tell you about one person asked me if I believe one time. It was just I was like, "Where did you hear that?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't believe that." But you know what? It was just, you know, that's what they do. They're going to criticize the message. They they put words in your mouth, and they did it to Jesus. They said he was speaking blasphemies when he wasn't. All he's doing is he's going. You know, he's he was preaching the gospel to these people. He's preaching the gospel. The gospel is the good news. All right, what's the good news? Jesus Christ. You know, save your sin. But for there to be good news, there's got to be bad news too, doesn't there? And the bad news is, is the word sinners. And that we deserve to go to hell. And he's preaching the gospel to these people. And those who were an influence before, they didn't like it. He, Jesus was stealing their thunder, so they criticized his message. And then notice in verse 13 what it says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitudes resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now first of all, I want you to notice this here is Matthew. He was a tax collector. And he he went from being a tax collector to be a follower of Christ. You know what? I wish we could go get all the IRS people To get saved and start following Christ instead of being IRS people, you know, and going and targeting conservative groups and, you know, tax-exempt organizations like, like they've been doing. Hey, if they get saved, they're not gonna do that. Of course, then the IRS is gonna hire some more lost people. But anyway, but hey, he didn't do a bad thing here, did he, getting this fellow to follow him? But you know, I, I imagine he probably had a reputation before. Verse 15, it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners, said also together with Jesus and His disciples, for there were many, and they followed Him. And when the scribes and Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees again, the people of influence before, those in leadership, uh, when they saw Him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto His disciples, How is it that He eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, He saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of, of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Notice how they criticized his followers. Okay, Jesus was getting a following. Jesus is getting even publicans and the sinners, the wicked people, are even following Christ. They're listening to his message. Now, were they continuing in that wicked lifestyle? No. Obviously, Matthew, he gave up that tax collecting position that he had, didn't he? I mean, he got many people that followed him. He had Mary Magdalene that was a follower that they referred to as a disciple of Christ who Jesus had cast seven devils out of her before. Jesus, he didn't go after the upper crust people so much. He went after the lower people. He went after the sinners. He preached the Gospel to them. And so notice the way Jesus' followers were being criticized. You know, there must be something wrong with this man because look at who's following him. Look at this crowd. Look at the you know, sinners, publicans. You know what? Maybe they were following Christ because He preached forgiveness. Because He was forgiving Where these scribes and these Pharisees. They were always just condemning everybody, wanting to find a reason to stone everybody, wanting to find a way to put everybody down. And they, they weren't giving them any message of hope. They never talked to them about redemption. But Jesus Christ did that but notice the success of him getting followers. They, they criticize his followers, and you know what? Same kind of thing will happen around here. As our church starts to grow and we start to have an impact, you know what they're going to do? They're going to, people are going to talk about the followers. All those people at Liberty Baptist Church. You know they. You know they're, they're they're crazy people over there. You know they're getting you know they're getting the drunks and the harlots. And all. Hey, if they're getting saved, thank the Lord for it. That's why we are here. Well, and then I love what Jesus said. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, was Jesus saying that the Pharisees and the scribes were righteous? No, because we know that there's none righteous. No, not one. But did you also know that it's almost impossible to help somebody who thinks they're righteous? Those are, that's a tough group to reach. And you know what? Sometimes the people. Who have their act together, usually the people that have their act together that are doing okay uh you know morally and things like that are a lot harder to reach than those that are living in sin you know the drunks and things they know they're sinners they know they've got a problem, and they're usually they're the ones that will listen first and they're the ones Jesus came to call sinners not righteous people and he did, he did much to teach them that there was an unrighteous. But the scribes and Pharisees had a hard time seeing that. They just wanted to criticize His followers. They, liked to, they uh, liked to look down and think, there must be something wrong. Look at who this man is eating with. The Pharisees, they wouldn't eat with the publicans and sinners. They wouldn't talk with them. Remember when Jesus uh, was uh, witness to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She's like, what are you doing? You know, Jews, they don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus Christ wasn't like that. He went and He preached the Gospel to her. He gave her living water and she got saved. And she went and told others about it. And even though the disciples even had a problem with Jesus. Remember, the disciples got mad at Him when He went and He witnessed to that Samaritan woman. And uh, when you have an impact, they're going to criticize the followers. But then also in verse 18, now, so far, what has Jesus done that anyone could accuse of being bad. Let's see, he's preached the gospel, he's healed people, he's just eaten and with publicans and sinners. Okay? And I imagine he did some preaching to them too, and I imagine had changed some lives in the process. Okay? They weren't sinning while they were with him, were they? But they were people who had sinned. So hasn't really done anything yet. But yet, he's getting more; they're getting more and more upset at him. Verse 18, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom was with them? as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put in new bottles. Notice now how... Okay, Jesus is obviously being very, he's very successful. He's getting very popular. He's getting a following. These people in leadership are being threatened. So now, they're criticizing His dedication. Hey, your, your disciples, they don't even fast. And Jesus talked about their fasting they did many times. It was something they often did as a show. I mean, they would disfigure their faces and everything. They would make themselves look like... They were suffering and make themselves look like they were really afflicting themselves. But the truth is, they weren't really doing anything. They were just putting on a show. And they were, and really, it was pointless for the disciples to be fasting. You know, that's something we do when we're trying to get a hold of God when they're walking with God. When Jesus Christ is right there with them and Jesus said, it, there's no need for them to be fasting right now. And yet, but the Pharisees, they tried to use that to question his dedication. Kind of question their motives. And you know what? That happens many times too. When you do right, they're going to question your dedication. They're going to question your motives, why you're doing it. You know, that church there, you know, that pastor, he's just all about the money. They're just trying to get your money. They're just trying to see what they can get out of people. Oh, you know, that church, they're just all about, you know, putting on a show, trying to act all holy than not. They're just, they're just make stuff up questioning what our motives are what we're really trying to accomplish and they just can't stand their influence being threatened and really for for the Pharisees okay i mean think about it if you're if you're the Pharisees if you're the scribes if you're the religious leaders okay would you be happy if if there's if people are turning from their sin and trying to do right i mean aren't we better off the less people are sinning And the more who are doing right. I mean, we're, you know, really, once again, nothing is going on that should have upset them, that should have caused them not to like Jesus, but yet, they're questioning everything. They're looking for something where he can slip up. And so then look at verse 23. Look what it says here. It says, And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, Why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And He said unto them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was in hunger? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them that were with him. And He said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now... Jesus is being accused of breaking the law. What did he do? They just ate on the Sabbath day. And how do they eat? They're walking through the fields and they are taking corn. And now that doesn't require a whole lot of work, does it? That doesn't, require, that doesn't require a whole lot of work. And the truth is, we talked about, I believe, last Sunday, if according to the Old Testament law, if you were traveling through an area, it didn't have to be your land if you were traveling through an area and you walked by someone's field that had corn or if they had a vineyard, you were allowed to take from it and eat. So they're not stealing when they take this food. And it wasn't against the law to even eat on the Sabbath day. And the truth is, in the Old Testament, while there were a lot of laws for the Sabbath day, it was supposed to be a holy day. It was supposed to be a special day. One of the things that happened in the New Testament... The Pharisees, they made a bigger deal about the Sabbath day than God did. Remember how, you know, if your ox falls into a ditch on the Sabbath day, you were allowed to go get that ox out of a ditch. You know, if you had an emergency, if something came up, by all means, go do some work and take care of that immediate need, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't supposed to be happening all the time. You know, a lot of times people will use that verse as maybe excuse to miss church. And you know what? That's biblical. Sometimes there's things going on that's beyond your control, but at the same time, some people have a lot of oxes fall into ditches. <laughs> you know, maybe, they need to check, maybe they need to check on their land a little bit because it happens all the time. But you know what? Sometimes things are going to happen. But not all the time. Okay, And... Truth is, Jesus tells them here, they they didn't know the Scriptures. He always told them all the time, you're not knowing the Scriptures, that the Sabbath, it was made for man. It was made for our benefit. We need rest, don't we? We've seen what this seven day, you know, constantly doing stuff seven days a week has done to our society. We have a very stressed out, high strung society. And I think part of it is because... People don't just take a day and relax, and I think, and that's sad. We need we need that. It's very important, that they're accusing them of breaking the law. And you know what? That kind of thing happens too when you start when you start doing right as a church. You know, one of the things that happens sometimes is sometimes they will act they will people will actually accuse churches of breaking laws. And Maybe they'll tell them they're, you know, violating something that will cause them to lose their tax exempt status. You know, and maybe the preacher gets up and he preaches, you know, against, you know, one of the politicians or something. And they're like, separation of church and state. You're not allowed to do that. You, know, you probably heard about in Texas, the uh, mayor of the city there, uh, was it Dallas, Houston, forgot. She uh, went and subpoenaed all the messages. She wanted the pastors to turn in their messages. To the city before they preached them in case they were preaching against homosexuality which is not against the law but yet for some reason she thought she decided that was against the law and so she tried to do that and of course there was an outcry and she backed down thankfully but the truth is that happens all the time and that's what they did there they're accusing Jesus of breaking a law that wasn't a law but yet in a sense it kind of was at their day because why they made it up it didn't come from the law of God, but they kind of made up some rules. Jesus talked about how those Pharisees they would bind heavy burdens on them, and they, I mean they came up with a lot of these customs. They came up with a lot of these rituals. They weren't things that came from God, but yet they looked them like that. And that happens even amongst Baptists. Sometimes we come up with rules, we come up with things that just maybe aren't necessarily bad, but just kind of made them up. And then if another, if somebody else doesn't go right along with that, boy, we accuse them of being a heretic and accuse them of being everything in the book, whatever the worst name you can think of to call them, they're going to call them that if you don't exactly line up with what they want to do. And there's no Scripture on it. And listen, there's nothing wrong with if a church wants to make some rules for themselves. I, I know of some churches. I know of some Baptist churches. They have rules. That say all the women in the church, if they're members, have to wear a hat to service. Because they believe they ought to have their head covered in service. Okay, if they want to do that, that's fine. Alright? But you know what? I hope they don't go accusing us of breaking biblical law because we don't do that in our church. Because that's not in the Bible. And so, um, you know, but people do that sometimes. They will. They will... They'll just make things up. There's nothing wrong with ladies wearing hats to church. There's nothing wrong with it at all. If they want to do that, hey, that's fine. We don't have to go to church there, do we? But it's not in the Bible. And the Pharisees, they made stuff up like that all the time and then tried to say Jesus was breaking the law when He wasn't breaking the law. And and many times, I've even heard of this before. I, I know of a church that is no longer in existence where they bought a building... And it was, it was a building, it was a commercial building, and it was one that the city was getting tax revenue from. And they didn't like it that a church bought it, because the churches don't have to pay taxes. And they wanted the tax revenue from that building. And so you know what the city did? They went and they changed some of the codes for city codes for that area telling that church they were going to have to put in all these sprinkler systems and all kinds of things that would just cost thousands and thousands of dollars that the church did not have. And it ended up, you know, the pastor finally had enough and skipped down. They made up laws to put these people out of business so they could say, You're breaking the law, you got to do this. And I tell you that, that type of thing is a shame, and it happens, and it happened to Christ. why? just because he was having an impact, just because he was an influence and then notice in chapter three and that well this is this is going to happen too you know and, but the truth is jesus he quoted the law to him, didn't he he Jesus knew the law much better than they did and said sorry i'm not breaking the law sorry there's this is not against the law, and he went and he gave scripture to him to prove that he wasn't breaking the law, and then so okay fine they're not breaking the law so now what do they do well now they just they just look they watch they waited for him to fail in any area chapter three and, and notice once again he hasn't done anything bad okay he was eaten on the Sabbath eating in a completely legal way that's spelled out in the Old Testament yet they just They wanted something. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, and he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Now, you know what? I've read through the Old Testament several times. I've never seen anywhere in the Bible where it says you weren't allowed to heal on the Sabbath day. It just It wasn't in there because you know what? Before Jesus came along, nobody could heal somebody with a withered hand. But once again, What's the problem with this? They made the law up, didn't they? They made the rule up. And they're watching Him, just waiting to accuse Him. And He saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And He saith unto him, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days? Or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Jesus gave them a chance. Alright, here's your chance to say something, folks. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Before Jesus does it, Okay, he wasn't looking for their permission, but he's given them a chance. Alright, here's your chance to say something. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And these people they didn't say a word. In verse five, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being greed for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the others. And then verse six, and straight and the Pharisees went forth in straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Now, what did Jesus do bad again? He healed a man with a withered hand, and okay, I know you weren't supposed to work and you weren't supposed to labor on the Sabbath day. But let me ask you: Was it against the law to stand up on the Sabbath day? Was it against the law to stretch out your hand? That's all he told him to do, and he was healed. Jesus didn't touch him. Jesus didn't do. You know, he didn't do it. He just told him. To stretch forth his hand, and he did it, and it was whole. And then they went and they took counsel, tried to figure out how they could destroy him. And once again, all he did was, he was an influence. He was an influence for good. And so then notice how they conspired against Him behind His back. They went, they took counsel how they might destroy Him. Verse 7, But Jesus withdrew Himself with His disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed Him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things He did, came unto Him. So notice thou that you know Jesus, He's... Done absolutely nothing. Notice, you know, you don't even hear Jesus in any of these stories attacking the Pharisees, do you? Now later, Jesus often to their faces confronted them. You know, he told them that you know they make clean the outside of the cup. But, you know, inside, it's, it's, inside's filthy. You know, that their mouth is like an open sepulcher. You know, he called them things like vipers and things like that. You know, he did do that later to their face. But at this point, all he's doing is going around doing good. And all he did that was, that they had to worry about is he was being an influence. He was stealing, he was stealing their influence. And right now, I believe that is the main reason why we sometimes butt heads with the world. Is because you know what the world they do the lost, they're living in that sin, they want to continue in that sin, and they want to lead other people into sin. Nobody is content these days to sin by themselves. Alright? They always want to recruit. They try you know, they, they get involved in some sin, they want to get other people involved in that same sin. That's just what people do. And When Jesus started being, or when you're an influence like Christ was, and you get people turning from sin, the world is going to hate that because once again, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, it shines a light on their sin, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And you know we could go on and on throughout the Gospels, and we, we only have time to go through what we went through there, Mark. But you can go throughout all the Gospels and see how every time Jesus did something good. There were people working against him, trying to stop him. And the truth and it's like same thing with us. I mean, really, what in the world are we doing to hurt anybody? I mean, I can't think of anything. I mean, how, how is us standing, you know, meeting here tonight and preaching the gospel and listening and learning from the scriptures. What is that doing to hurt anybody? How are you hurting somebody? You know, on your job, if you go and you just decide you are not going to talk like the rest of the group, All right? What? You know, why does it bother people so much? You know, because we don't get involved in some of the sins they do. Why do they need us to be drunks and why do they need us to be drug addicts? What does that? You know, how does that threaten them? at all why does that bother them if we act different than they do if we look different than they do it shouldn't bother them one bit but the truth is it does and the reason the same reason these people worked against jesus it was because their power was being threatened their power was being threatened jesus is good that he did ultimately got him crucified ultimately that's what ended up happening to him it got him crucified on the cross but at the same time, okay, all that good Jesus did, the, the consequences, I guess you could say, of all that good He did, it got Him hung on the cross. But notice, that was God's plan from the beginning, wasn't it? It was always God's plan for Him to go to the cross of Calvary. And us doing the right thing, remember what Jesus said in that first verse we read, you know the servant is not greater than his Lord. We're not greater than Jesus Christ. We're not more charismatic. We don't have a better way about us. We're not better than Him in any way. It hated Him before it hated us. And us doing right, it may cause some difficulties in our life, but ultimately, I believe it will lead us to God's perfect will for our life. And just like Jesus ignored the critics... We need to do the same thing. There's going to be some persecution. But when, when you're doing right, it ultimately is going to lead you to God's perfect will for your life. It might lead you somewhere you don't necessarily want to go. I don't, I don't like getting persecuted. I don't like having those kind of problems. Uh, I just you know, was reading a letter from a pastor that started a church here recently. I don't know if it had anything to do with them pastoring the church out there or what. I don't know if maybe he's starting to have an influence. But his house got egged. I don't know if I don't know if it was related or anything like that, but you know, I guarantee the devil's going to tell him it is. Hey, look at all you're trying to do for these people out here, and look what they how they repaid you. They egg your house. You know what? I believe it's because he's doing right, and it means you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with some stuff. But I believe you keep on doing right. You just endure it, trust in God. It's going to lead you right exactly where God wants you. And for Jesus, it was a cross. I, I hope it doesn't mean death for any of us. But you know, if it does, God, it's going to pay off in the end. It's going to pay off someday. You know, we've been talking on Wednesday nights about the end times. And you know what? There is going to be a millennial kingdom on this earth. And you know who God is going to use to rule and reign with Him during that time? He's going to use us. You know, maybe that payback is going to, you know, and when do you want your pay? Now on earth, on this earth, that's only going to last for you know, 70, 80 years if we're lucky. Or, in the next earth, in the millennial kingdom, it's going to last for a thousand years. Really no contest there. And what determines how we're going to be used in that time depends on what we do with this time. And on, many people today are doing everything they can to try to be popular, to try to be liked by everybody. Churches, pastors are doing that. They're just doing all this stuff, just trying to make sure everybody likes them and thinks they're great. They don't want to preach against sin. They don't want to preach any hard messages because it will make people uncomfortable. People won't like it. Hey, doing right is going to cause people to hate you. And don't let it cause you to feel bad. They hated Jesus for it. If Jesus and couldn't find a way around getting them to hate Him, we're not going to figure it out either. Unless we do like the world. The world loves its own. If we're one of them, they'll, they'll go right along with us, won't they? You know why this new pope is so popular with the news media? Because he's going right along with their agenda. And therefore, oh, this guy's great. This guy's wonderful. Hey, he just got a big endorsement. You know, you know who? Uh, there was already a prominent religious figure that said he should already be sainted. You know who that was? Elton John. Okay? When you get that when you get that crowd liking you, there's something wrong. Okay? There is something seriously wrong. And you know what? Jesus Christ, the one that we're supposed to pattern our lives after, they crucified him. And we're no greater, so I don't know why people think we're going to be liked. For doing right. And so, I hope that this will be a help to you tonight. And if, you, if you're if you hated by the world, don't let it discourage you. Let that be a reminder that, hey, you must be doing something right. And so, with that, I want us to all stand together